Hey everyone, uh, see, no buzz this time. Uh, sorry, I want to apologize for the technical difficulties last week. Uh, as you can see, we're still very underprepared here <laughs> in terms of technology. Yeah, I just want to apologize for that. And uh, here's the box office report for the week. Uh, this is one of the reasons I was so uh, frustrated last week is because... Wonder Woman did so well. It was so interesting. I wanted to talk about it. it. Did so well not only critically, but at the box office, got over 100 million. And uh, now it beat the Mummy out, and for its second week in a row, it's placed it. Fi- it's placed in first, 57 million. Mummy got 70 second place with 32 million. So it, it outperformed the Mummy by 25 million on its second weekend. And uh, Captain Underpants remains in third, with 12 million. Pirates already knocked out uh, fourth place with only 10 million for the weekend. Uh, it comes at night, surprisingly, at six with only six million, but I guess that's kind of to be expected. And uh, if you're interested for the over/under from last week, Megan Levy, 3.7 million dollars this weekend. It uh, officially performed under uh, the already low amount it was given. All right, corrections from episode 25 and 26. It is in fact Boardwalk Empire, not plural. Taylor Sheridan, not Tyler, wrote. Wind River, Hell or High Water, and Sicario. Ozark is not going to have a different story every season. I apparently made that up. Helen Mirren has in fact been knighted. Airbud, Golden Receiver, was the second and last Airbud movie to get a theatrical release. Ben Wishaw does the voice of Paddington, not Bill Murray. They're robbing the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Logan Lucky. Wonder Woman was projected around 100 million by the studio. It performed a little better, about 3 million better. And Megan Levy, the actual Megan Levy, was deployed in Iraq not Afghanistan. All right, on to the episode. Welcome to the Previewers Podcast. Uh, My name is Joe. These are reviews about movies we haven't seen yet. Uh, This week we've got a special one-on-one episode, not in a car, we're in a home. You're a very nice home, actually, and yes. Berto Ford is sitting across from me. Berto, how are you doing this I'm week? I'm doing great. I'm doing good. Doing good. Berto, we we just got news um, yesterday. Well, first of all, you are the biggest Batman fan I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the biggest Batman. Anyone that knows you would say you're the biggest Batman fan. They know. Uh, what I wanted to say was Adam West died this week, um, yeah. and uh, being the biggest Batman fan you are, uh, how did you feel about the whole thing? Man, it... um. It, it definitely hurt. I mean, I like for like I, I was getting out of the gym yesterday afternoon, and I went to check my phone just to look and see if I had any missed calls or anything. One of my friends texted me saying, "Just straight up, just Adam West died." Like just in the text, like mm. nothing in it, just straight up sent this. So I was like, "No way, this fucking can't be real." So I instantly went to Google, started looking. I'm like, all right, it's probably gonna be some fake shit. But then when I started seeing like the Hollywood Reporter had it, and like I think it was like a Variety or some like, kind of Variety had it or something like that. I was like, oh, shit, this is real. Mm. No way. Like, it's, it was one of those things, like, it hit me, like, it sucked because he is dead, but it was like, dude's 88 years old. It was like, it's something that we somewhat kind of saw coming, but it was just one of those things where it's like, man, this is like a cultural icon. Like, not just for my generation, because, like, I wasn't even born or even there to see the show. Right. But just in terms of, like, the character itself, like, as just Adam West, the name, it's like, holy fuck, the dude is gone, man. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, he's not going to be able to do cameos on weird comedies anymore. It's weird. I know, right? We no longer have Mayor West. Sucks. Yes. <laughs> yes, someone was posting a Mayor West uh, video today uh, from Family Guy where he had the cat gun. Yeah. He was running around shooting people with feral cats. 
Or I guess on Feral Cats, he knew them. But uh, yeah, it, you know, it, it is a little saddening because he was just that, not a guy that anyone was like a huge fan of, uh, mm-hmm. from our generation, I should say, but like yeah. a guy that was sort of always around and we always liked. Did you watch any of his old Batman stuff? Um, Yeah, I watched a lot of the shows growing up. Like I saw sporadic episodes growing up. I was a huge fan of the Batman movie. I, I think I, my grandfather still has the original like VHS tape that we had. If um, anybody here knows, like, the old school Disney VHS, when it came, like, the little styrofoam pop open thing, it was like that. It was like a collector's item case. God damn. So he had he had that. It was just awesome. Like, just, I would watch those, like, like any time when I was a kid. But um, I'm, I actually had to, got lucky to meet Adam West, I think, about three years ago. I remember 2014, 2013. Really? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. It was in um, Richmond, Virginia. It was at a comic convention. I want to say it was Awesome Con. I believe it's which one it is. No, not. No, Wizard, Wizard World. It was Wizard World, Wizard Con is what it is. But he, it was him, and I think Burt Ward was there too. I didn't get a chance to meet Burt Ward, but I stood in line, and I got a photograph with him, and I met him that way, shook his hand. And um, even then, like even when I was getting ready to get the tickets, I was like, man, like if I don't do this, I would probably never have this opportunity again. This was three or four years ago, and I was like, I'm not going to see Adam West in Richmond, Virginia again. So right. I got the tickets, I did it. And um, I actually set as my profile picture just for like at least a week now, just because like, like man, that's the last time I first and only time I saw him, and never really had a chance to like be there in his prom. Right. I was like, man, I had to take the opportunity when I saw it. So this it was pretty heartbreaking a little bit, but I felt grateful that I was like I at least got to do something that not many people, at least in my generation, I think, would be able to experience. And you got to go up and meet him uh, before, and uh, how perceptive of you saying this is never going to happen again, and now it's proved true. That's Exactly. That's crazy, man. That's, I had no idea. Yes. Yeah, it, was, it was, like I said, it, I definitely felt it a little bit just as a cultural icon. Like, it's not somebody I'll ever know, but just like the impact and like the name of Adam West is something that's going to ring loud with everybody. Yes. To compare him to like other people, you have comic writers, um, people of Stan Lee, like you can never meet these people, but just the impact they made just from creating these characters or people portraying these characters, like he's gonna stick around for a long time, right? So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, uh, well, now that we're done eulogizing yeah. <laughs> Adam West, uh, let's take off the somber note and let's play a game. Mm. Um, let's, uh, I just saw Doctor Strange for the first time this week. Okay, did you hear about the text I sent Ryan? I don't think so. I texted Ryan, I think it was either yesterday morning or the morning before, I said, I'm watching Doctor Strange, and I sent him a picture of a paint-by-numbers rooster. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm still a little salty about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I have okay. them on the brain. Mm-hmm. So let's play a f- trivia game. Uh, this is where I'm going to read a piece of IMDb trivia, this, this time specifically centered around one of the movies mm-hmm. from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you have to guess which one it is. Okay. Uh, so we'll just, uh, we'll just dive right in. Let's do it. Um, apparently, uh, this actor on the set of this Marvel Cinematic Universe movie mm-hmm. uh, was keeping food all over one of the sets during one particular set, and apparently nobody could find where it was, so they just let him continue doing it. In the movie, he offers somebody food, and that's improvised. It wasn't scripted. He was just hungry. Ooh. <sighs> okay. I'm going to say Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark, and if I had to guess the movie, I'm going to, I want to say it was the first Avengers movie, I want to say, when he offers 
um, Bruce Banner a peanut or something of that nature? That's absolutely correct. It that is. is exactly yes. correct. It's Robert. <laughs> First of all, you're just guessing the movie. You can guess the character if you want. You get bonus oh points for that. Oh so, God, but <laughs> uh, you did guess the character and the movie right and the set right because nice. that is where it happened. <laughs> Uh, it was on the lab set. He was just hiding around everywhere, and nobody could find it, which is why they couldn't stop him from doing it. And then he just pulled it out uh, during the filming one time. Here's another. I thought it's hard to put this as a trivia question because it would have gotten it would have gotten called out immediately. Okay. Um, but uh, apparently, there were very few times that everyone was in town at once. But on one night when they were, Chris Evans sent them all a text message simply saying "assemble." The tagline of the movie, prompting a night out on the town. Clark Gregg has stated that this is his favorite text message that he's ever received. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's I would legit. love to be in that group text thread. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, if you guys don't know, I'll be posting my phone number, so if you guys can put me in that, I'll be great. <laughs> yeah, be great. Well, I'll post it right up there for the Avengers who exactly. listen, because again, this is a Hollywood insider. It is. <laughs> uh, so for the villain of this movie, mm-hmm. Sean Bean... Pierce Brosnan and Gary Oldman were all considered for this role. Ooh. And the villain of this movie, I'll tell you the name of the villain after. Yeah, after the guess. Yeah. So, who were the choices again? said Pierce Brosnan, Gary Oldman. And Sean Bean were all offered this role. Sean, try to remember Sean Bean. Sean Bean is... Uh, do you watch Game of Thrones? Yes. Eddard Stark. Eddard Stark. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's, yeah. Okay, yeah. Dude, that dies and everything. Everything, <laughs> yes. Everything. Fuck. Okay, say so Okay, ooh, ooh. I am so sorry. I actually got the character mixed up, who the character was. He does not play a villain. He okay. actually plays um not a hero but a mentor role. A mentor role. Okay. Like, yeah. And in, in in this certain Marvel movie. In this Marvel movie, yes. He plays a mentor role to the hero. Hmm. Um I'm going to guess. I can't remember the actual name of the character, but the person who was the main primary villain in the original Iron Man, who was who became the I can't remember what the fuck they call him Iron Monk. Man, I'm probably wrong <laughs> on the terms of the villain name. Sorry guys, I can't remember Iron Man's villains to save my life. But I'm gonna say the original Iron Man movie, who was like Tony Stark's mentor during the first movie. Was that it? No, it wasn't. Okay. No, 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 Damn. no. That is a good guess though. Uh, the character is Hank Pym, and the movie is Ant-Man. Oh, fuck. The role Got eventually it. went to Michael Douglas. That's okay. why I messed it up. I originally thought it was Corey Stoll's character, but mm-hmm. it's not. Um, which makes sense, because these guys are not on... Corey Stoll is not on Gary Oldman level yet, but Michael yeah. Douglas very much is. There it is, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> I think I probably did get thrown off by villain. I think I still had that in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, so apparently during filming of this movie, the main actor... Walked into a comic book store in full costume, costume, and bought a comic of his movie, of his whatever his movie was. Ooh, um, you say in full costume? Yes, in full costume. He just walked into a comic book. Just store. to make sure, these are just the Marvel movies. No, nothing pulled from no, no Marvel Sony TV shows. Okay, no, no movie or no Sony, no TV shows. Just the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, walked in a full costume and bought a comic. Yes. I'm going to say... Who's your... Give me your Marvel TV show guess, because that is so weird to me. Honestly, my Marvel TV show guess, only because this was it was such a popular article and they released it, I don't think he was in full costume, but the guy who played Punisher... Oh, John Barenthal. John Barenthal, yeah. John Barenthal. There was a big thing for people who probably 
may have seen it, but they said that he walked into a comic book store. He asked the guy for, like, what Punisher comics to read, and the guy literally walked him through the store, gave, gave him a stack of Punisher comics, and as he was leaving out, he said, don't fuck this up. And the dude said, don't worry. I, he said, okay, I got it. And it's bought him and left. Don't believe he was in costume. <laughs> that, dude, that dude on that day was just like, oh, I've been handed a mission from the comic book gods, and I have a duty to my fellow nerds. I guarantee he probably tells people every time they walk into his shop, like, yes, if it wasn't for me, he wouldn't have did that role that good. <laughs> exactly. Have you seen him as Punisher? It's the only bright spot in season two. Go fuck uh, yourself. Part of season two of Daredevil is just Punisher season one. But, okay, back to the, the trivia <laughs> back question. Back to the trivia. Who's the, um, who's the movie guy that did this? I'm stuck between two people that I can really see. I'm stuck between Chris Hemsworth as Thor or Tony Stark as Iron Man. <laughs> I will want to say... I'm going to go with Thor since I tried Iron Man last time. That's incorrect. It's actually Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. Oh, fuck, really? Yeah, just walked in full Doctor Strange costume oh, and bought a comic book. Oh, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Come on. <laughs> all right. Um, oh, this is actually a personal favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. um, it's an injury. Uh, this person got his armed muscles injured while filming a very iconic scene in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, I can't go into much It's detail. okay. As a matter of fact, I know it already. Because we was talk I was talking about this with Jason once we uh, saw the movie a little bit beforehand. We heard about it. But it was actually uh, Chris Evans, Captain America in Civil War. I want to say it was Civil War. When he tried to stop the fucking helicopters and he switched his grip and like he tore his bicep. That's correct. That's okay. correct. Here's what. Here's the rest of the. Here's the rest about it. That's absolutely right. First of all, he says, that shot is a little bit of bicep porn. Zoom in on the bi bicep. That's what the script said. <laughs> Kevin Feige didn't airbrush my biceps. That's me. It's not a utilitarian shot. It's a shot where you're trying to look heroic. That position, uh, this is the most interesting part. That position mm -hmm. of holding the helicopter with one hand and the ledge with another, the underarm position you were just talking about, mm -hmm. is actually a very unnatural position to use to stop something. But we used it. Because I have to flex my bicep. You were trying to make the scene look great, and I genuinely me messed my arm dur during that shot because of the strain. It was so funny because we talked about it. I was like, Jason even said, he's like, that was the worst grip, actually. Like, if he started off flexing and then switched along, like, he would have been perfectly fine. Right. But it was like, no, that was actually a very poor, like you said, a very poor uh, position to be in. And he ripped his bicep forward. Yep. That's <laughs> great and, shot, though. Because <laughs> and, and they talk, the two biggest pieces of trivia on that page, on the Civil War page, mm -hmm. are all about uh, either, A, how the Russos really tried to, uh, you know, probably as a result of Star Wars, but tried to do a lot of more live-action stuff when they could rather than CGI. Okay. So they tried to incorporate a lot of that. And then, two, about how that was, like, a big moment in the script, and so, like, they, like, prepared for it. Like, Hemsworth, like, not Hemsworth, uh, Evans was, like, trying to push himself to get his arms bigger for that fucking shot. And it's like... Dude, it's just one helicopter shot. Like, it's cool, I guess. You put in all the goddamn promos for that reason, but, like, is it really all that important to the it's, movie? Exactly. But I was, and then it's like, it's, <laughs> but yeah, the bicep definitely outweighs the awesome knife fight scene between him and uh, Winter Soldier when he was on the street. Mm. Like, when Winter Soldier was fighting with the dagger, drops it, catches it, reverse grip, and keeps fighting. I was like, I thought that was more iconic than the fucking bicep. I yeah, like, I think so. I mean, I guess since he tore his bicep, I guess, like, no, nah, we should market this a little bit harder. Yeah. Make him feel better. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll make it worth it. Uh, the, and then the only other interesting piece of trivia from that movie that I thought was the first one, which was 
apparently Sebastian Stan, uh, the day before his fight scene with Robert Downey Jr., uh, mm-hmm. Sebastian Stan is the Winter Soldier. Yeah. The day before his fight scene with Robert Downey Jr., uh, sent a video of him doing blurpees in front of an Iron Man head, a decapitated <laughs> Iron Man head, to Robert Downey Jr. and said, I'm looking forward to our fight tomorrow, Robert. That's pretty awesome. Uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's a, that's a badass moves. Uh, he was also apparently practicing his uh, moves with a plastic knife. Okay. While uh, while just like moving around, just like walking around set because he wanted it to feel natural or whatever. That's legit. Yeah, blah, blah. Uh, so <laughs> one of the actors nearly broke the other actors ribs while filming a fight sequence during training. The two actors would wear protective gear so they could actually hit each other. However, when the day came to film, the one actor forgot to wear their protective gear and did not tell the other actor because they thought that, uh, the other actor would hold back if they knew. Um, so the other actor just kicked them full square in the ribs, which made the other guy fall to the ground. Shit. I know this. Oh my God. I noticed. What is it? Fuck. He had a peruse for the remainder of filming. Fuck, who was this? I, I really know this. I remember hearing about this, and I think I read that same article when they talked about it, too. Who the fuck was it? <laughs> it's not fucking Ant-Man. What the fuck is it? I'm really trying to run through the movies now. I don't know. But will he ever get it? I know. <laughs> Shit. You can edit this out. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm keeping this all in. Are you going to keep the pause? I'm God keeping damn. 20 minutes of dead space. That's <laughs> what I always do. No, I always edit it out. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say, I want to say the person who had the bruised ribs was Robert Downey Jr. And I want to say it was between him and Chris Evans in the Civil War, what's this? Yeah, Civil War fight scene at the very end. I want to say it was that, but I could be wrong. Is that it? You are, in fact, wrong. Damn. The two actors are Chris Pratt and Zoe Saldana. And oh, shit. Chris Pratt got on the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Chris Pratt got a bruised rib basically for the rest of the filming because Saldana just fucking kicked him in the ribs. God damn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he lost 60 pounds in uh, six months. I know that's been covered extensively, damn, yeah. but I didn't realize the actual weight number was 60 pounds. But apparently he killed his audition so well that James Gunn was considering just letting him have the role whether he lost the weight or not. Oh, wow. <laughs> damn. That's pretty fucking awesome. I give him the yeah. dedication for that too. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's do one more uh, quick one. Um, All right. Apparently, these two actors wrote their own dialogue for several scenes they had together in this film, Marvel Cinematic Universe film. So they wrote their own scenes together? They wrote a lot of their dialogue in their scenes together. Okay. I want to say I, I want to see I can keep falling back to them, but it's only because these are two actors I can really think of. And the reason why I'm going for Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans for this again is primarily because I want to say Robert Downey Jr. is known for like a lot of like improv stuff in a way, or kind of like really open, like really expressive about the lines he like get like Tony to have. And with Chris Evans wanting to do directing, I figured he'll probably be the guy that I would lean more towards writing the dialogue or co-writing dialogue with his character. I'm going with them too. And Fuck. The movie is the most important part. Oh, for in the movie, fuck. Um, I'm gonna say, I don't want to say Civil War. I want to say, I'll say the second Avengers movie. Age of Ultron. Yeah, Age of Ultron. No, is it Civil War? It is Captain America: Winter Soldier. 
Okay. The actors are Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. Really? Yeah. Okay. They co-wrote a lot of their dialogue together. Also, that was the movie where Sebastian Stan was walking around with the knife. Uh, not the other one. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. That that was uh, IMDb <laughs> trivia. There we go. <laughs> Hope you learned something, folks. Here we go. <laughs> let's uh, let's cut the silly stuff though. Let's all put our day trader suits on. This is buy sell stay. I got day trader sunglasses today. That's wow. those are just Ray Bans. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Another visual gag. I love every. This always this always starts visual gags. For the audio-only podcast. We're going to keep doing this until we have a camera, and then we'll no longer do them anymore. Yeah, then we're, then we're done. Then we're just staring straight into the camera. Uh, <laughs> this is where we look at uh, the trailers that came out this week, and we decide whether we uh, want to. We have more interest in it, less interest in it, or we're around the same, basically. Yep. All right. Uh, the first movie we're going to talk about is First Kill. This is Bruce Willis. This is Hayden Christensen. Uh, this is about a man who witnesses uh, another man get shot, and that man is apparently caught up in some shady shit. So he kid that man who was shot is saved by Hayden Christensen's wife. That man then saves Hayden Christensen's son, and or not saves, uh, kidnaps Hayden Christensen's yeah. son, and which prompts police officer Bruce Willis and Hayden Christensen to go after them. Uh, if this sounded confusing, it's because the trailer had a lot going on in it. Yeah, a lot going on in it, a lot of steps. To get to what was basically a very uh, action-heavy payoff, mm-hmm. uh, it's for that reason I, I, I'm probably going to sell on this one. But what do you think of it, Bird? I mean, I felt the same way. I felt really confused by the trailer as well, and I understand that it is the first trailer. Maybe the second one may elaborate on certain things to at least give us more insight. But to me, just from the trailer alone, it looked like the guy got shot point blank in the head. <laughs> Right. I'm talking like from 10 feet. Like he's like pretty fucking close. And they end up saving him. And then he immediately kidnaps the kid. I'm like, okay, even if you are a bad guy, that's a really fucking dick thing to do. Like who fucking does that? Like, okay, you are don't get caught. But that's going to bring more trouble. I don't know. Yeah. But all I gather from it, and by the way, if you can't tell already, I'm 100% selling. But Bruce Willis is not going to save this fucking movie. As no. much as I would like him to, he's not going to fucking save it. Because he was my favorite part of the fucking trailer anyway. Well, when's Bruce Willis, When's the last time Bruce Willis saved, quote-unquote saved a movie? He's not that type of guy. To me, no. unless it's an over-the-top action movie like Die Hard stuff, or he has a very strong either co-main actor or supporting actor, I don't think he's going to really thread the needle and saying like, oh, it's fucking Bruce Willis. I'm definitely going to go see it. Right. It's like, eh, it's Bruce Willis. If I got some, if it's a popcorn movie, I'll watch it, but that's really it. Right. No, it's, Bruce Willis has had one performance where he kind of had to move himself out of his comfort zone and work in someone else's universe, and that was Pulp Fiction. And he only did go. that because it saved his career. And, you know, otherwise, you build an offense around this guy, and then you ask him to work. If you want to, If you want to see a good Bruce Willis movie... Go see a movie that was made for Bruce Willis. There you go. Uh, so you know, I'm not really interested in First Kill. Um, it's cool to see. It's cool, kind of cool to see Hayden Christensen still mm-hmm. doing stuff. At the same time, it's just like you know, I, I, I I'm done. I, you know, no, I don't really yeah. have any interest in this movie. It, it's way too much setup for not a lot of payoff. Yeah, and as I was watching, I was like, oh, Hayden Christensen, maybe he's trying to make a run and come back. Then I saw, then I finished the trailer. I was like. Nope, he's falling right back into that hole again after this. <laughs> he was like, oh, sorry, we didn't mean to take this out the closet. We're going to put this back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this one wasn't quite done yet. It needs a little more time. <laughs> put this one back in the oven. Um, all right, uh, so sell all together on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next one. This one is uh, the newest Disney Pixar movie. We've had many discussions about the end of children's shows, or children's movies, or not the end of it, but like the downfall, down, down dip 
in children's movies. Mm-hmm. We've had many discussions about how uh, Disney Pixar is going off the rails because we'll do nothing from sequels. Mm-hmm. And yet we have almost willfully overlooked the fact <laughs> that this year they have an original movie coming out. And it's called Coco, and the trailer came out for it this mm-hmm. week. Um, this one totally missed my radar, so I feel really bad about this. Because I've, <laughs> I've been trashing Pixar forever, but this is... Uh, yeah, this, so this is a movie about a kid who um, has a family old, like generations old ban on music in his family. Um, so when he wants to learn more about that, he actually accidentally stumbles into the land of the dead, uh, which is not supposed to happen. It's only supposed to happen in the reverse way. Uh, he goes on a quest with his deceased family to try and find his way back into the surface world. Berto, what did you think of the trailer? I'm gonna buy really hard on this actually. Ooh, like the it. the really why the reason why I'm buying was because I, I think I remember seeing the trailer for this maybe in a theater once or twice from like some other movies, but it I guess because I was like maybe too anticipating an actual movie or seeing other trailers, it I didn't have that much time to really digest it. Right. But I'm actually gonna buy really hard on this just because. For one, the creators, because they just ran through, it was like the people who brought you, um, I think it was Finding Dorothy, Toy Story, and yeah, that just Inside means, Out. That just means Pixar. Okay. Because yeah, it's, it's a Disney Pixar okay. movie, yeah. Good point. Yeah. But it's just, I'm really going to buy hard on it just because, I don't want to say because it's appealing to like a different demographic for the sake of the way the children's movies have kind of, I don't want to say been doing, but they're kind of reaching more towards a definite demographic for this. But I really am going to be excited for the message of this, and I think it's really, it seems really creative to me compared to some other uh, Pixar or animated movies like fucking, like Zootopia, not saying it's not a great movie, it's decent, but it's just, it's, it's too much playing on child-friendly animation movies. You, you, know, you know where I'm coming from with that? I know, exactly. Like, what it's playing it safe yeah. while trying to get a message across, and this one just seems like, you know what, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to lean towards the demographic. We're going to pull something that's very heavy within that demographic. And we're going to try to be as creative as we can while putting a really good message through it. So I'm really going to buy hard on it. I think it's going to be good. I'm 100% in agreement with you. I've been I've been trashing Pixar nonstop on this <laughs> podcast. And now they're basically, with one trailer, have started to make me eat my words. Because this is the exact type of stuff that they're, they're really good at. They're stretching themselves out. They've got a light, fun theme to the trailer, but you mm-hmm. can tell they're dealing with a lot darker themes. The dude, the, the kid's hanging out with his dead family the whole time. Like, exactly. <laughs> you know, he's got to come back. He's got to come back to the world after that. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it, this obviously it doesn't have like an okay hunky dory. Yeah. Like ending, obviously it's gonna have a lot of that. And even then, it seems like because the thing I like too, they don't really elaborate too much on who has that guitar or who owns it. I want to say they say it's his dad, but even then, right. it's not exact. I don't think it's like put through a hundred percent. Right. I I have to see the trailer again to be sure. But if it is his dad, I clearly missed it. I'm sorry. Right. But <laughs> I just thought it seemed cool how like this going towards that field of like. I guess, like, bringing you closer, like, to family and those things by going about it, like I said, in a very creative, outside-the-box way instead of just doing something that's like, oh, we're going to go through this typical trial and tribulation, and it's going to bring this kid closer to his mom and dad. We've seen that a million times in real movies and even animated, so, like, it's nothing different. You know right. what I mean? Yes. So I think this is going to be really good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, one, I'm 100% agree with you. We're both buying on this one. Um, and I think we can both agree that if Pixar messes this up, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, I don't think it'll be great for them, uh, but I think it'll be good. It's weird. They only used to do one movie a year, and so Cars 3 was coming out this year, so I just assumed that nothing okay. else was happening, which is why, um, what threw me off. But let's, you mm-hmm. know, let's move on. We'll get to the next trailer. This one's called Blind. Uh, this is a movie with Alec Baldwin, Demi Moore, and, uh, either Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney. 
something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, it's about basically Alec Baldwin, a blind person who is uh, uh, writing a book with uh, Demi Moore, I think, or has some sort of job reason to be around her. And uh, then they start to fall in love, even though she is married to Dermot Mulroney. Um, and Alec Baldwin is blind, but um, not really, because he doesn't, he refuses to wear anything that would identify him as blind, which is fine. Uh, whatever, do whatever you want in the movie. Um, do do whatever you want with this movie, truly, because I'm not watching it, because I am selling so hard. It was all, it was a mess. It was a mess of a trailer. It, it really was a mess of a trailer. I'm, a part of me, like, really wanted to stay on it, just because I was really intrigued by Alec Baldwin, and just the way he was portraying the character, just do the trailer seemed very interesting. Right. But... Everything else around it, like you said, seemed very cluttered. To me, it seemed like it was trying to get a lot of shock value out of it as well. Because one of the things that threw me off was just how the Demi Moore's husband, you, they just show him, like, hitting <laughs> fucking Alec, blind Alec Baldwin, like, the hardest right hook I've ever seen in my life. And I'm right. like, okay, like, <laughs> I can get you being pissed at somebody. I don't know, like, I'm one of those people that's like, alright, I'm into, like, giving everybody equal rights in some way, like, treat a disabled person or whoever just as equal. Like, I don't know if I was a big Carlos Messia fan, I was, until the whole fucking joke shit came out. Right. But he talked about it in one of his stand-ups, like, yeah, this fucking dude, a disabled kid in a wheelchair tried to cut the line. I said, dude, get in the back and wait like everybody else. Like, just because you're in a wheelchair and you're disabled doesn't mean you should be treated special, you still should be treated equal. Right. But you just fucking hit a blind dude. Like, who does that? Like, he can't defend himself. I don't care the circumstance of the movie. Who the fuck does that? Right? And at, at one point, there's a shot of him hitting him in the kneecaps with the golf club. Dude! I was like, oh, he's beating the fuck out of this blind dude. Who does this? Like, this like, is crazy. It's, like, clearly a different scene, too. It's like, yeah. how many... How many times is he going to come back and just beat the shit out of this blind dude? Like, what, do we really need to see all this? We get it. He's a bad person. And yeah. trying to hold on to Demi Moore. It's a bad relationship. I mean, I, we, we, we've just seen it. It's, you know, you know I, I, I feel like I come back to this point with a lot of the trailers, but we have just seen this movie a lot in plenty of other movies, and we've probably seen it done better. It just did not seem like... If the scenes they're showing in the trailer are so generic and, like, just, you know, great value brand, as Chris mm -hmm. would say... Um, <laughs> then there's probably not a lot of originality going on in the actual movie. And so, for that reason, I'm just, I'm totally off board. Exactly, and that's like the reoccurring thing, like you said, it's just taking very basic premises and plot, but they're trying to make a twist on it by adding in a variable that they think is going to change the aspect of the movie. It's like, no, you got pretty much a, a movie about an abusive husband and someone who's trying to do something better with themselves, they feel like they're being held back in their relationship, they don't support their husband, and it's like, yeah, she's gonna find love somewhere else, but let's make them blind. It's mm -hmm. like, what? No, it's still the same fucking concept. The same shit's gonna practically run, you're just adding a variable that does really help, that holds no weight to me. It's like, right. why am I gonna be investing in this? You're just gonna make me see it to feel bad that a blind dude's gonna get beat the shit out of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't feel that. Like, it doesn't resonate with me. I agree. At least to me. Somebody else could obviously could like it, but yeah. I'm sorry I'm not in that group. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm also not in that group, and honestly, I don't know how this would resonate with blind people, considering that there are plenty of movies actually about that experience that aren't like, <laughs> that aren't like this weird, generic, uh, crappy movie. Exactly. But if I had to say this to anyone who's blind, if you're listening to this, here's a positive for you. You don't have to see the movie. <laughs> here's another, and here's another positive. You can listen to podcasts still. Audio-only medium, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. There you go. <laughs> uh, let's move on. This next one, I... I am so excited about 
uh, it's not the one you're thinking. You're much more excited for another movie yeah. we're going to talk about later. <laughs> cool. Uh, so we, uh, that's a little teaser. You'll see. Uh, but American Made uh, came out this week. The trailer came out this week. Uh, this is the true story about Barry Seal. He was uh, just a regular pirate pilot that the CIA recruited to run guns and run drugs back. Uh mm-hmm. Um, to, uh, you know, to catch criminals, basically. And then he starts working for the DEA. Then he starts working for Pablo Escobar. Um, as Tom Cruise said in the beginning of the trailer, some of this actually happened. Uh, and it's all... It all seems just as interesting as I was hoping. Like, Tom Cruise is actually stretching himself out as a character, um, which, you know... And whenever he stretches himself, I'm excited. Because he, he has that level of an actor that he never wants to go to anymore. But he has that level. Watch Magnolia. Like, watch... Uh, interview with a vampire. He's on that level of acting. He just never goes there anymore. And it seems like he he's actually trying with this movie. It's mm-hmm. his Wolf of Wall Street. I'm very yeah. fucking interested. I'm buying hard. Berto, what do you think? <laughs> oh, same way. I'm buying very hard. Too. I was buy- I bought it after the first 15 seconds of the trailer once he landed the fucking plane <laughs> and gave the money to the kids and then instantly got the bike. I was like, this is for the bike. It started riding off and all you... And he said, you never saw me. It's like, dude, you left the fucking plane in their yard. Like, this is hilarious. <laughs> You're covered and- in coke right now. <laughs> exactly. And then immediately the narration goes like, yeah, some of this shit happened. I'm like, oh. Well, clearly that was one of them. You definitely got my interest now. Right, exactly. <laughs> like you said, I think this is definitely going to be like uh, Tom Cruise with a Wall Street, uh, like um, Robert De Niro's Casino, like little things like that. Like I love these type of biopics that goes into like all these um, these char- like these real life fictional events that you would believe in something that's, like I said, that's like fiction, but like, no, this shit actually happened. They're not making all this shit up. This really happened to somebody. This dude crashed a private plane in someone's yard with, like, probably hundreds of millions of dollars of cocaine. I'm sure. Paid, and then tried to ride the fuck off on a bike, but this dude's working with the CIA, Pablo Escobar. Like, it just seems really interesting. It seemed like a very fun movie. I just love movies like that. Like, it's it's awesome to me. It's fucking, (laughs) yeah. I'm really fucking excited. Like, those movies are kind of big right now. They're almost a little bit, I would say they're almost a little bit, like, tired out at, you know, because Wolf of Wall Street was so clearly the pinnacle, Mm -hmm. but I think it could hit, like, this will be, like, the last really good one, and then uh, we'll see a bunch of, like, terrible knockoffs starring, like, uh, B-list actors, (laughs) like, trying to get a big break, and uh, it's going to be sad. Or Alec Baldwin will star (laughs) in one, and it'll be really, really sad. Exactly. Let's just hope it doesn't hit the Wolf of Wall Street length, because love Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street... But I don't have three hours in a day to just sit there and watch that entire movie. Like, I remember watching, like, and I got the first hour and a half in on Netflix. Like, all right, I'm going to pause this and come back to it. And I was like, damn, I still got another hour and a half left of this? <laughs> Fuck, I guess I'll watch this next weekend when I have a break or something. You God know damn, I mean? that was, that, I love those, though. I, I, oh, I yeah. don't think American Made will go that way. But, like, the people that can do it, Scorsese is one of them. Like, the people that can go that length, um, it's really good. I doubt this movie. I don't have an actual runtime for it right now. But, like, I mm-hmm. doubt it's going to hit. Anything along those levels, because yeah. that's just, it's hard to imagine a fucking three-hour movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking with this, it'll probably be like a solid, maybe hour 45, maybe pushing a little over two. I really don't see it hitting two and a half. Right. I'm thinking like hour 45, maybe a solid 215 if they stretched it, but I think that'll probably be enough for the movie. I agree, I agree. So, uh, both buy and both love this. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, this next one is called Gypsy. It's a TV series coming out for Netflix. Um, it's about a therapist who, uh, manipulates other people to get what she wants to fulfill her own sexual desires. It's starring Naomi Watts. Uh, it's, uh, I thought it was worth mentioning and kind of interesting because it's another big actor coming to the land of TV. She just did, Mm -hmm. um, 
what's that HBO thing? Uh, Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. Okay. But I would I would call eight, people have been doing big actors do HBO miniseries for years, but yeah. this is this is one coming like onto television, which I think is kind okay. of uh, television, yeah. the new version of yeah. television. Um, so, what did you think of the trailer for this? Um, it definitely had my interest in the beginning. I'm honestly gonna stay on it. <laughs> it was funny because I remember the first thought I had that went through my head just the first like ten seconds of the guy trying to explain to Na- Naomi Watts. She said, "Right, yeah, yeah." Who's a therapist? And then he says like how like I missed you and all this, and then she says, "I bet you have." I was like, "This bitch, what the fuck is she doing to this guy?" Like instantly, I was like, "That's weird." Um, it definitely seemed like a lot at once. It is I, since it is a Netflix series, like they're trying to give a lot of points or a lot of different things happening in the trailer at once. Um, it's very interesting. I'm gonna stay. I'm. I'm not going to say I was confused by it, but it seems to me like it's going to be so much depth to the series, it felt like they couldn't put all of it into a trailer just yet. Right. And that, and that explains a lot. Like It just seems like there's going to be so much more to it. The only way you're going to get the true gravity or the gratification of the show is to just watch it. Mm. But I think it caught my attention enough to say, okay, if I see it, I may give it a shot, but I can't say it's... 100% got my interest. If I stumble upon it, I'll probably click it and watch it. <laughs> okay. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. That that was definitely a more positive review than I I, I would give it. No, say say what you want to say. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to sell on it just because the you, you mentioned the first part of the, the trailer, the 15 mm. seconds one. Um, you know how... We've been doing this long enough. You know how they say women uh, within the first 15 seconds or like first minute of a date know whether they're going to sleep with a guy or not. Mm-hmm. I know whether I'm going to like the trailer within the first 15 <laughs> seconds at this point. There and in go. this one, I, as soon as the uh, therapist did that, like, she was like, close your eyes and imagine I'm what's-her-face. I was like, a terrible therapist. There there. <laughs> like, immediately, I was like, really, really bad job. Uh, therapy is really a, a, an important part of my life at this mm. point. And uh, I've been to enough that I can tell you that that's, that shit's just unbelievable. Yeah. It's like, that's what... Someone, it's like someone who's weirdly never been to therapy wrote that. Okay, yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and sell on that. But, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I get that she's supposed to be awful at her job, and that's the point, but, like, mm-hmm. or not awful at her job, but, like, manipulating people, and that's the point. But, like, don't make it so overt then. Like, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm uh, I'm sort of done with this one. But, yeah, uh, I completely respect that. Like I said, yeah. I was borderlining on it, on selling or staying. Like I said, I'm staying, staying enough just because... Netflix pulling in someone as big name as a Naomi Watts, like you're saying, going right. to something that is Netflix. For one, is a good testament to Netflix showing just how incredible now they're able to start to get like bigger name actors, these bigger movies like that are just Netflix exclusives or whatever to come in for. So I think there may be enough to it to be interesting to pull them in. But for a first trailer, I don't think it's enough to say I was completely sold on it. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'm, I'm, I'm reserving a lot of judgment on it for now. <laughs> that makes total sense. You're you're banking on the pedigree. I like yeah. that, and I like <laughs> that. Uh, let's move on to another series that I am banking on the pedigree for. This is Room 104. Okay. Um, this is the HBO series that's coming out of from the Duplass brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came out. They were a big part of the Mumblecore movement. Uh, okay. So the puffy, the puffy red chair, the puffy pink chair. It might have just been the Puffy Chair was one of their first movies. Uh, more recently, um, I really can't remember. They did that one movie with Ed Helms and Jason Segel that was really good about the two brothers. Okay. Um, and they've done a couple other movies you'd recognize, I bet. Um, but uh, they recently they've done a couple HBO series. This would be their second, actually. And okay. uh, it's about just a hotel room or a motel room in a certain motel. And it's telling a bunch of different stories just that happened there. So it's... Uh, <sighs> 
serialized is that the word is i guess episodic would be the word but like the most the purest form of that because every episode you're starting off with just completely blank slate it's just going from the room okay um yeah what'd you think of the trailer um i wanted to buy on it like really badly just because like it really like i said it has that really cool episodic feel like so many different stories and characters having these different experiences in this one room I'm gonna stay on it just because I'm interested. I'm interested to see how it gets received. Like whether it's gonna be one of those things that's like either just trying to push the envelope and have a lot of different shock kind of episodes. Like because it seemed like they were elaborating to like either like weird sexual things that happened in the motel and I'm not sure if there was a murder in it or somewhere along those lines. Something, something, something happened there. Yeah, it just seemed like it's so much. I'm like. I'm kind of reserving because I'm not sure if it's going to go over that well, but I'm going to stay for the most part. It does seem very interesting. Damn sure not going to make me stay in any motels, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be a good series to watch about a motel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, buy on this one, and I, I've explained why. The pedigree, the same reason you mm-hmm. stayed for uh, Gypsy. Uh, like the Duplass brothers a lot. Uh, seems like it's got a bunch of cool actors involved. Mm-hmm. And I also one of the reasons I like these kind of shows is because you cannot like an episode and still watch the next episode and be like, that one might be really good. Mm-hmm. It, like Black Mirror is a very good that, example of that. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, I, this seems like it. I was it literally went through my head. I was like, I was about to say that <laughs> it seems like a HBO equivalent of Black Mirror, but instead of being, I don't want to say outlandish, but being completely different episodic like so many just different one-off instances right it's sticking to just a core concept of a hotel room it's also it, yeah and it's interesting because black mirror the the reason it does that is because it wants to explore all these like different um the different themes and different things going on and mm-hmm. like bend your mind a little bit and like change your way of thinking and surprise you whereas this seems more like we're going to put these guys in a small four-walled room and keep them there, and you're just going to study them. Like, you're just going to study them like lab rats for 60 minutes. Exactly. Like, and that's going to happen 14 times, 22 times, I can't remember. Wow, for one season? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's like 14, I think they're doing, but I, I could be wrong about that. And um, these are definitely going to be hour-long episodes, most likely? The Most likely. It's an HBO show, it's the Duplass Brothers. It could be 30 minutes, but I'm guessing I'm guessing they're going to be about an hour. Okay. Um, We'll see, though. Yeah. I, I'm really excited for it. Okay, yeah. And uh, now let's move on to something that Birdo is really excited for. Uh, Ryan uh, could not be on the podcast this week. Ryan was very sad that this came out at this time uh, because the Black Panther uh, official trailer, official Woo! teaser trailer came out this week. Run the Jewels legend had it, has it played in the background. Woo! And uh, uh, there's no need to explain the plot. Birdo, what'd you think of the trailer? Shit was fire. God <laughs> Damn, I watched that shit like ten times. Oh my god, I watched it five times the day it came out. I had my girl, me and my girlfriend watched it twice. I watched it again today because you sent me the list of trailers and we was watching on my big screen. I was like, well, we're watching this again. I just played it like just cause. Like fucking awesome. And everybody knows, like for what I said, I'm I'm a huge diehard Batman fan. I it will be disrespectful to say that Black Panther is like the Marvel equivalent of like a Batman just because it's. A lot of people who are big uh, Black Panther fans respect the character a lot, and they typically they kind of hate that comparison, mm. just for the sake of like I guess pedigree and the individual characters themselves. And I'm not extremely well versed on the Black Panther mythos. 
Um, I'm going to admit I'm very new to it just from going off of the Avengers movie, like the Avengers movies and going off like the way the character's being done there. Right. But I'm super fucking excited for Black Panther. Like I was literally like, by the way, I'm putting it out on the podcast and I'm going to put it as my status. Jason, if you hear this or anybody else that hears this, if you guys want to reach out to me and tell me what comic books to start off with, with Black Panther or give me some YouTube vids, hit me up. Because I'm trying to get educated within the next year on Black Panther and everything that's about him until that movie comes out. Because <laughs> I'm so fucking excited. Not, like, fuck, I can go so on about this movie. Like, not even just the character, but just the fucking actors they have. They have fucking A-listers do the first, like, 12 IMDb lists, probably. Yeah. Like, you saw Forrest Whitaker. Fucking, um, hell's a name? I feel bad. I can't remember Michael B. Name. Jordan? Michael B. Jordan. Um, Lupita Nyong'o. Lupita Nyong'o. Who's the, the black chick from fucking... She's fucking iconic. She played fucking... Didn't she play Tina... Not, no, she didn't play Tina Turner. She was in... Um, Stella Got a Groove Back. Wasn't that her name? She was in there, the main character in that. Oh, how Stella Got a Groove Back. I have never seen that movie. I yeah. love that. That is a deep pull from Verno. <laughs> it was a very deep pull. How so Stella big. Got a Groove Back? Angela Bassett? <laughs> yes, Angela fucking Bassett. There we go. Damn. Sorry, guys. Black community, don't fucking beat my ass for that. I'm sorry. How Stella got her groove back? God Shit, damn. I had to reach deep for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, just the fucking names of actors they have in it. It's going to be fucking amazing. I can't wait for it. It's going to be so fucking good. Everyone sign up. It's, it reminds me of when, um, and this is a white guy commenting on black culture, so mm-hmm. just uh, that alarm should go up right there. But uh, Don't worry, we're not going to have a Bill Morris in it. We're fine here, guys. <laughs> oh, God. It reminds me of when, uh, so, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so it reminds me of when back in, uh, uh, movie theaters, you would see like, uh, black movies come out like mm-hmm. about, you know, like jumping the broom or like any one of those yeah. where it's just like a full on black cast. And it's like, it was like back when I was growing up, it was like one a year and they would get all the black actors who are in like every other movie. And you're mm-hmm. just like, why the fuck is he doing that? And then the answer is cause like they don't make that many black movies. Well now the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the hottest thing right now, and you've got your very own, like, black movie coming out, and everyone's like, no, we're getting on board, we're putting our names out there, we're throwing FUs up to America, like, <laughs> we out here, like, exactly. basically. We out you. Yeah. Black superhero movie that is gonna be done so right, <laughs> just from the way the intro is, like, Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler is all you have to say when yeah. you're talking about doing it like, right. It was like, they was trying to find El Dorado, and it wasn't in South America, it was in Africa. Bruh, the favorite fucking line of the movie. Like, God is going to be so fucking rich. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing visually. The culture is going to be a, a fucking amazing the way they're going to put all of it in there. And it's going to be Marvel Universe related. Absolutely. Like, re- related. It's going to be great. And, and, and just from a non-comic book fan's point of view, you were talking about how you're not uh, from, you're trying to compare it to Batman and uh, you're not really familiar with the mythos. Like, just from a movie uh, fan's perspective... That's the coolest fighter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, he's, yeah. <laughs> that's the that's across all superhero movies. He's the coolest fighter. Oh yeah. He's like he's dipping around everybody. He's going back and forth. He's hiding in fucking trees. He's just wrecking people. Dude will fall down like five or six stories off of like a building to chase after a car, and his feet land like he's just walking on a carpet, just, and then goes off full sprint. Like this dude just fell like this couple amount of feet, and you didn't even hear him land. And he's chasing a fucking car. Yeah, it's like he's a black fucking Terminator. He's like, it's like that's my best friend. I don't care. Like, like, shit. Ah oh, man, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I think we're all excited. All right, that was buy sell stay. Let's take off our day trader suits and let's get to the uh, last segment of the uh, last segment of the day. This is the uh, tomato maybe is what I'm gonna call it for right now because I couldn't come up with a better title. 
Uh, but basically, uh, you know, we're 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 into June now. We're the just the tip into the summer movies right now, and uh, we've got plenty more coming out. So I want to take a look at some of those, and uh, let's let's take a guess at where you think they're going to land on the tomato meter. Now let let's make a let's let's be specific here because there's a ton. And first of all. This is not a this is not a glowing endorsement of the tomato meter for me. I'm gonna be mm-hmm. fair. Uh, I originally in the podcast early on in episodes to try to use it. Uh, the more I learned about uh, the way critic reviews are added up on there, the more disillusioned I got with the whole thing. Okay. At the same time, it's also a good ballpark way to gauge a movie, if okay. that makes any sense. You Definitely. know. Um, and I would say seven to eight times out of ten, it gives you a good idea of around how good the movie. How enjoyable, I should say, the movie go. will be. Um, so uh, we're just gonna look at the summer movies, and and uh, it's not the top critic rating, and it's not the uh, uh, audience rating. Mm-hmm. We're just looking at the rate, the plain old critic score, wh- okay. what we think they're gonna make. So uh, let's start off with the movie we've mentioned before, Cars Three, mm-hmm. coming out later in the summer. Uh, a third fucking shot. <laughs> At Cars, and I think the second one was famously one of the first ones to get like really pretty low on the tomato meter. It was Did one of the really? first Pixar movies to get pretty low on there. Do you remember? Do you have like a rough idea what the second one was? Somewhere in the forties or fifties, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, uh, where do you think three is gonna land? Personally, like I was thinking, like I don't think it's gonna hit that high. I'm thinking it's gonna be critics sixty seventy, possibly. I would say like seventy. I think it'd be pretty fresh for I think what it'll be. Um, I definitely feel like the second trailer for Cars 3 definitely seemed a little, uh, weird. I think just because the very first trailer we got, the teaser was very dark. Right. It's like, yo, this is a kid's movie. This is a very dark trailer for a kid's movie. But if I had to give it a score, I don't think it's going to be phenomenal. I think it's the movie they're trying to push out because of the time of the year. It's a summer movie. Like I said, we're just about to enter it. Right. And the best time to put out a kid's movie is during the fucking summer. They know people are going to go see it. Right. So I think it's a good move as a bit, as a company, but I don't think it's going to score that high. Wait, 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 like, give me a number. Wait. If I get a number, I'm going to go 65. Okay. 65. That's right around where I was thinking around 67. I was thinking around the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, things have changed since the last one came out. Um, um, now, you know, with older movies, they're based on old critical reviews that came out around the time. Now, uh-huh. Now these... Reviews are coming out not only all the time, but also there are just a billion different more critics. And things are looked at a lot differently nowadays with the fucking churning out of not just movies, but reactions to movies and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, so uh, I think a lot in a lot of these situations, kids' movies, especially Pixar movies, tend to get a break. Um, um you know, there's a little bit of, well, you know, the kids liked it, it's enjoyable, you're going to have a good time at the movies, so I think it's definitely going to get some bad reviews, but I think yeah. you're right, it's going to hover somewhere around there in the mid-60s. Yeah. If we were talking about financial success, <laughs> big different number there, <laughs> sir. There we go. Put, yeah. Pump that pay- baby up. Pump that baby God up damn. high. Cause so kid- much merchandise is going to be sold, and some they're gonna, the kids going to be going twice. Two or three times to go see that fucking movie. I already exactly. know it. <laughs> and if kids, even if they don't, which they will, because kids for some reason love the shit out of cars, which is why they made three of those. Exactly. Uh, under Disney's pressure. Uh, but uh, uh, the merchandise alone will just sell like crazy. I think oh, yeah. that's absolutely right. Um, all right. Uh, what about Transformers The Last Night? This is the fourth? Fifth Transformers movie? I think it's a three. Three shots and a Wahlberg. Three shots and a Wahlberg. It's the fifth one. It's there three shots and a Wahlberg. There you go. Three shy as Redux. Sorry, man. Um, if I had to give it a tomato meter number, because personally, I really don't think it's gonna be good. 
again, exactly what we just said about cars. You want to talk about freaking mer- fucking merchandise, how much money it's going to make. It's going right. to make a lot of bank. It's probably the first two weeks because I'm not sure what else is coming out with it. Right. Or even along the same lines. But if I had to give it a Rotten Tomato score, I'm going to say like 50-something. I'm going to say 52. I don't think it's going to score high. 52 is a good guess. I'm going I'm going more with my hopes on this one and going 36. Okay. Somewhere around there. Well, I'm, I'm not too familiar on the verse of the tomato score, I guess, based on like how they do it. I'm going 50 to say relatively high, I guess, maybe in terms of action or whatever, if they just make it like an entertaining movie. Right. But uh, I'll probably be leaning more with that, too. I can see that. I think <laughs> I think a lot of the movies, I think, I, I have no evidence to back this up. I should have looked up a lot more uh, older scores for these no, sequels. Cool. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the other Transformers movies were scoring right around there, somewhere around there, around the 50s really? and somewhere. Okay. But, uh... I just think people are really um, are done giving movies like this a break, you know? Okay. Like, you know, there's been enough Transformers movies. Michael Bay always gets shit on at this point. Yeah. Again, this is another thing where you got to separate box office because this is going to make it, – it's going to make money. It's going to be very profitable. It's going to make dumb money. I mean, David, for anybody that probably hasn't seen a Transformer trailer by now or any kind of teaser, it's been all over social media in some yeah. way, shape, or form. You t- – even on YouTube, you can, mm. before you watch the trailer, play a fucking Transformers one sometimes. Like it's all it's all in your face. Thing. Yes, yeah, I, I agree with you. So it's it's gonna make stupid money, but it's uh, I, I think it's going to the low thirties for critics. I think critics are about done with this one, and hopefully yeah. we're all done because I'm hoping that's the last chapter. Uh, <laughs> and now now let's go into the uh, last first chapter, as I like to call it. Spider-Man: Homecoming <laughs> is coming out. <laughs> Uh, this week, this is the sixth Spider-Man movie in the 21st century, mm-hmm. um, but it's the first under the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's Tom Holland, who's the youngest guy ever to play Spider-Man. Uh, I think he's not even 21 yet, if I'm if I'm thinking correctly. If he is, he like just turned it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's coming out. Where do you think this lands on the tomato meter? I'm thinking it's gonna land because I think with Spider-Man, Marvel, I think found their groove with... <laughs> they got their groove back. Yeah, they got their groove back. Yes, they do. Marvel's got it back. just like Stella. <laughs> just like Stella. Hey, if you met Stella, there's a brother Marvel. <laughs> How Marvel got his groove back. <laughs> I'm going to say, if I had to give it a number, I think it's going to be in the, like in the mid-80s. I'm going to say 80... I'm going to say 85 I had to push high, but I'm leaning towards like a solid 80-82. So I'll say somewhere around that range. 80, 82. Yeah, I'm gonna say around there. 80, 82. Gotcha. I'm I'm thinking 88. I'm thinking 80, okay. 89. I'm thinking high 80s, maybe even low 90s, because I think people just. <sighs> I do not want another Spider-Man movie. I'm so tired of Spider-Man movies. But like, if you think about it, if you count two as a good movie, which I do, but I was young mm-hmm. uh, and haven't seen it in a while, I don't know how it holds up. Uh, We're talking it, just Spider-Man 2, not the Amazing Spider-Man. Not the Amazing just, Spider-Man. Okay, if you gotcha. count the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man mm-hmm. and the original. If you count the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi Spider-Mans as a good movie, uh, at two, uh, two as a good movie, yeah. we're three bad Spider-Mans in a row. And I think people at this point are done with hoping that there's not going to be another Spider-Man and they're back to going, we'll just make a good Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> they are going to be ready to like this one. And and we talked, me and Ryan talked a bit about this last week. Mm-hmm. The bad Marvel movies don't score that low on the tomato meter. Or exactly. Everything, you know, critically, like Ant-Man, I, I think, was one of the worst uh, Marvel movies, and I think it's still got somewhere in the low 80s, high 70s. Really? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, like, it's I, I think they're really ready to uh, put this one high, so I think it's going to get somewhere 88, 89. If it's, if it's good, if it's pretty good, it's probably going to get, like, low 90s at I can that see point. That. Yeah. Because I think with... With this Spider-Man, especially compared to uh, Sam Raimi's and Spider-Man being like more of an actual a 
functioning adult, not really like a kid. I think with Marvel getting the reins of it, they're like, hey, we're gonna take Spider-Man to the way he should be. He should be a kid. He should be fun. He should be very lighthearted. We don't have to have all this crazy adult drama surrounding a character. He's not meant to be dark. And Tony Stark's gonna be his mentor, so you know it's gonna be a very fun movie regardless. Right. I, I think they're gonna lean more towards those natural roots of it, so I don't think it's gonna be anywhere remotely bad in that point. I agree. Yeah. I agree, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm also not gonna go see it in theaters. I'm just done with watching Marvel movies in theaters. I, they gotta earn my money back. Gotcha. Um... Not that they care. They don't miss it at all. They're, <laughs> they're making money hand over fist. But I remain strong. Uh, so, uh, another movie that's coming out later this year. This is probably going to score pretty high. Dunkirk, the Chris Nolan movie. The war movie they've been advertising like crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Coming out in July, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think that's landing? I think that's going to land in the 90s. I think that's going to land a strong, maybe even a solid 90. I'm going to say... I'm going to say a solid 90 for that. Because my minimum that movie probably hitting is going to be in a fucking 90 regardless. I think it's going to land in there. Because has has um, Christopher Nolan, has he really have a lot of low Rotten Tomato scores overall for some of his movies? No. Because if I had to probably guess the lowest one he probably got was probably for The Dark Knight Rises. If I had to probably guess a movie, that would I think that'd be a safe bet unless you count some of his earlier, early, early stuff. Like yeah. I think you're at, in definitely since since he's been in the public eye, that's probably been mm-hmm. his lowest scoring movie. Yeah, so I'm gonna say it's gonna hit a strong ninety because I mean I don't think any critic is for one. I don't think they're even crazy enough or even stupid enough to probably give a Christopher Nolan movie a low score <laughs> just because he's. He's well-respected. A lot of his movies are pretty solid, actually well-put-together movies. Even if you may not agree with, like, a plot or anything, you can't, like, see a Christopher Nolan movie in some way going, like, no, that was actually really well-put-together in some way. Right. So I think he's going to score high. I agree with you. I think it's going to be minimum 90. I, I'm going to go somewhere around 93, 94. I'm probably going to 94, okay. somewhere around there. Um, I, and I've... I've, I've Aired my dirty laundry with Chris Nolan, uh, Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan, a billion different times on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I won't go into it too much. The, the the base of it, the the core of it, is just stop writing. Let someone else who can actually write write your goddamn movies. Okay, and because you know the guy's got a lot of technical skill. The guy's like really good as a director. He's really good at putting a visual story together. Mm-hmm. I would one hundred percent agree with that. But he gets in his own way with the writing. I can see that. Um, but people just don't care. People just don't care when it comes to him because he's so good at the other stuff. Admittedly, he's True. so good with the other stuff. Um, so I think yeah, that's about the base. If it gets in the seventies, it'll be considered a, a bad Christopher Nolan movie. It, you know, uh, yeah. and I think Interstellar scored somewhere in the seventies. Did it really? Yeah, okay. I, I could be wrong about that, yeah. but I think uh, uh, Interstellar probably scored somewhere in the seventies. Uh, uh, and again, when I watched that movie, I kept mm-hmm. thinking, "Why is it written like this? This is awfully written." It, it wasn't one of the things too. They even said about Interstellar that, that movie ran for like. 30 minutes longer than it probably should have at one point. So, something around Probably there. an hour longer okay, than it should have. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, he just gets in his own way. And maybe he does that here. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of faith in this one. All right. We got time for one more. Uh, let's let's do the movie we um, we were all excited for. And then the trailer came out. And we all we had a little bit of a depressive uh, moment with it. This is The Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dark Tower. Uh, the trailer came out. Matthew McConaughey, Idris Elba, and we were all just sort of like disillusioned with it. We were like, ah, it's not, that's not what we were hoping for, Mm -hmm. I guess. But, you know, trailers can be deceiving. Where do you think it's going to land on the tomato meter? It's, The Dark Tower is definitely going to be one of those movies that I'm probably going to watch 
and I'm going to say, I actually enjoyed the movie. I I already feel like I'm going to watch it and enjoy it and may end up buying it. I wouldn't be surprised if I do. But, like I said, the trailer gave me the second trailer. Well, no, was this the first first trailer for it that we yeah. saw? Uh, yeah, the one we saw was the first trailer. Yeah, it's so many hesitancies and, like, I just I can see it being poorly received. Right. If I had to give a neutral scoring, I think it's probably gonna land. I think it's probably gonna land in the sixties. Okay. Somewhere around. Now. I, I'm gonna say sixty-five. I'm gonna give it a median. I'm gonna give it a sixty-five median. Um, only because I can see it probably getting that score. Basically, I'm going like, you know what, Idris Elba. Um, you said Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey probably gonna give some great performances. I think probably either how the movie is gonna be. I'm not using, I want to say receive, but how the movie is going to be accepted on how to, like, the type of world that it's being done in, if people are going to receive it as too fictional and too over the top, or it's going to be, they're doing way too hard to try to ground it and make it something that people will actually sympathize with in some way. Right. Because I think that's where it's getting to a lot of superhero movies. It's either being too far over the top to where people can't resonate, or they're trying to force a character to be grounded and people don't even see it overall. It's like you have Man of Steel... And then you'll have something like, perfect example, like Wonder Woman, who was over the top, but people accepted it because the movie was like, we're not going to try to make this shit, like, make people understand it. We're just going to fucking run with it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't know if it's going to have that same type of feel, like, if they're going to just run with it and people will enjoy it. So. <laughs> 48. 48 would 48? be my guess. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's my thing. I was all, I was, again, we talked about this. I was mm-hmm. all excited for the movie. The trailer came out, and then I started thinking a lot about it. Name the last Stephen King novel movie that you loved. Oh, fuck. That's a very good point. <laughs> it's, mm. it's like really the only mm. one. The one that comes to mind is The Shining, and that's really just a Stanley Kubrick movie. Like, yeah, and, like, you know, it's hard <laughs> to fuck up a Stanley Kubrick movie. So, because Stanley Kubrick is the one doing it. Um, so, I. Just faith is waning for me. Okay. Faith is really waning for me in the Dark Tower. I feel myself wanting to like this. Mm-hmm. I feel myself wanting to accept it and enjoy it and yep. love it. And I just am now starting to worry that uh, it's not going to turn out that way. It's just not going to be what we hoped for. So do you think with them having uh, Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey as a grab at popular actors' names for the movie, like, hey... We have these two actors together. You should come see it. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. I mean, you got those big name actors. They give them a big paycheck, and then you tell McConaughey and Alba, "No, you're gonna, you're gonna get to do a lot of cool acting. You get to explore these characters and build these characters out. You get mm-hmm. to do it, it'll be a more serious version of the Marvel uh, universe. So mm-hmm. you'll get these long contracts. You get a chance to play with these guys for a while. But um, you know, I, I don't know if they have any sequels planned, but I'm assuming they, they at least have talked about doing sequels. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, it's like, but, you know, it's more of a serious role. Makane, you're playing basically the devil. You get to play a villain, uh, which is always very enticing. And then Idris Elba gets to lead an interesting movie, uh, which yeah. is probably very enticing for him, mm-hmm. considering he's been a great actor forever and has really not gotten that shot. Yeah. Uh, so then, you know, everything just sort of worked perfectly for all those guys to come together. But if the writing's not there, if the if the directing isn't there, like if just some of these elements are off, the movie's not going to be good. Exactly, because I feel like, like you're saying, exactly what the character's going to do. Like Matthew McConaughey, I think, is going to knock out of a part just because Matthew McConaughey seems like a very character-driven actor anyway. Right. You give him a character from to just create off the fly, and he's a fun dude to watch play, whether they're over the top or completely grounded. You're going to enjoy seeing his performance. Go back and watch True Detective Season 1 again, and okay. that's all you got to say. Have you not seen it yet? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen True Detective. you got to watch it. you got to watch point. Season 1 
because li- literally that's that's McConaughey at his greatest. That's, okay. that's his potential showing true. Like just I won't say much more, but like okay. it's amazing. And like uh, with Idris Elba, like from what I gather, like with not just him being like in Thor, because to me Thor seems like a the character he plays, like, like the gatekeeper. I want to say um, with roles like him, for what I've seen. He shines the most when he's playing a character who's very damaged, broken, and fought and trails the, trails the line of being like a really good guy or a really bad guy. Like, yeah. have you seen Luther? That's on Netflix. I have not seen that. How is that? Fucking phenomenal. It's a okay. very good show. It's a he plays a British detective. Goes through a lot of. It's not episodic. They all kind of stream in some way in the very first season, but he definitely streams a line of being like. I don't want to say Batman just because he's a detective and like. <laughs> The more the moral flaws he has, but he definitely plays a line of like to the point of he's a a, a guy that recognize not say recognizes his flaw, but he understands he's a bad person in some way, shape, or form. But he does his best at his job to try to make things right a lot. It's very good. There's some scenes in that fucking show you're gonna watch like yo, that was fucking tense as shit. Like okay. oh my god, it was su- such a good show. <laughs> I think this, I think they still have it on Netflix. If you don't have, if you don't watch it. Fucking watch it. It's great. <laughs> so, so to sum to uh, summarize, uh, the Dark Tower starring two TV <laughs> actors is not going to be good. Um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, no, no, uh, good, good, but not because of the TV actors. Also, they're not TV actors. Yeah. they just have TV shows. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll see how those turn out. Uh, that's it for the tomato maybe meter, meter, whatever you want to call that <laughs> segment. Uh, hey Joe, isn't it your job to name segments? Shut up. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much. That's actually our whole show this week. Berno, thank you for showing up. This is a great fucking episode. Awesome. I think it was awesome too, guys. Yeah. Thank you everyone for listening too. Thank you all for listening. We will see you all next week.